0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders worldwide. Today's update, fortunately, a lot of the rattling has settled down for Satama, and thus I don't need to spend excessive time on it, regurgitating the same things I've already said that you have heard me say on a repeated basis about reputation management, a team being able to get in front of disasters, because from the perspective of many of the investor pool, the event went off like a disaster. I don't think they did a good job of damage management. Um, I do think Steve did. So when I say they, I'm not picking on all of them. Steve, I think, is the only one that, from the perception of leadership I'm talking about, Steve is the only one that seems to get it in terms of, hey, this is how we're feeling, and we were not happy about this, and this is what didn't go the way we wanted, and here's what you might have missed, so we make sure you do it. He's not like, you know, Russ that's just kind of going forward. I'm not criticizing going forward but i'm saying that you do need to as i said treat your investors like investors and that does mean slow down just a little bit own it be, acknowledge it be accountable for it saying look we screwed up okay and we will work to do better not on the not on a tweet i'm saying on your voice on the video and show empathy to your investors and that didn't happen and i think a lot of investors were turned off by that and the net effect of course is that the token is still down as of this morning and I perceive it's going to be down for at least a, at least another few days for sure. At some point, I think it'll come back up. I don't think it's I don't think it's a permanent drop. Someone on social media predicted that it was going to basically breach the lower resistance and then continue to go down to the previous resistance. Could that happen? Absolutely. I strongly doubt it because from what we're seeing, there are a lot of the whale, the stronger, larger holders who all they're doing is they're basically essentially shorting the stock, meaning that in crypto world, the equivalent of the shorting would be, Hey, I'm taking profits out of it for later. And of course that hurts the value. And then the second half of that would be people who sold off so that they could buy in at a lower price point to average out dollar cost. And then there's of course the conspiracy going around that they're doing it to manipulate the graph. And I argue many of those people don't even care about the one day graph, like I said before. So, I'm not buying into the, the ladder that there's people that are just trying to manipulate the graph. I think people are taking their bag and they're using it to their advantage to average out their cost. They're buying it at the lower price point like I talked about before. I think that's truly their motivation. I can't read their mind, but it's obvious from the, you can read blockchain yourself and see that the same wallet sold trillions and trillions and and tokens and then bought back in more And then, of course, they benefit from the lower price on the news. So they basically are realizing profit. They got profit off of it. And then, of course, the shorting, we can't directly see, but you can see in places like gate.io. It shows you a little graph that tells you when something is shorted. And so right now, uh, Satama is shorted to a significant degree. So I, I I personally assure that from my perspective, it is highly unlikely to go back down to the previous resistance. And I say it's, it's gonna go up, but I think it's gonna take a couple of days for the rest of that to wash out. Plus there, you gotta start catching up to um, inventory constraints and everything else from the event and where there was people that said, hey, I believe in it as a long-term strategy. So that's all I really have to say on Satama today. The community is still frustrated. It's obvious from social media. So I'm not gonna, but there wasn't anything significant that was worth discussing today. I want to talk on the SHIB side really quick. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. Um, There was an announcement that AMC Theaters would start accepting SHIB. And, of course, if you don't understand the accepting, because if you remember a very early entry, I said that predominantly, generally speaking, cryptocurrency is not for transacting. It doesn't mean that there aren't certain transaction applications that are starting to up and come, but they're not the mainstream because you still can't walk to your corner drugstore and buy a pack of beer, and the guy's like, well, "I don't know about that ship. Doot, doot, doot. That's where we are today. So until you get past that, to where you can transact it at your corner drugstore, it's not a mainstream thing. That was my point. That doesn't mean there are not applications for it to be able to transact in certain select cases now. Shib accepting at AMC theaters—that's huge for AMC traders. I think it's going to help the AMC value. I don't think it's going to help the Shib value, and here's why. AMC has been the, if you haven't followed the stock market, AMC has kind of been the one of three primarily, but there's others, primarily the poster children for the stock, the retail stock traders. So you think the casual equivalents, and some of them are not casual, but the equivalent side on the stock market that are trying to be the anti-establishment. They're trying to get, you know, because what happens is when you short a stock, you're basically expecting it's going to fail, right? And so you basically, you drain it. You're you're squeezing the turnip, as they say. You're draining it of everything that it's got to kind of force a situation where these companies start struggling. Years ago, a group of people that had a lot of money got frustrated and said, now that we have more data by way of the internet, because that was not always the case, we're going to use this data And we're going to fight back. And we're going to fight back by buying the stock and buying the stock and buying the stock and buying the stock and buying the stock. And And you're like, well, why would you continually buy losing stock? It's called buying the dip. But on the stock side, because of the shorting, what happens is you have to pay that back. And then the difference of what you shorted out at, so whatever that price was versus the price that it currently is when it becomes due, means you either – you could potentially end up spending more money than what you took out. And that's what the whole, when, if you hear the term Wall Street bets and you hear the term shorting and you hear AMC and GME and others, that's what they're essentially doing is they're forcing the price on the stock to get back to the point that these companies are losing, you know, in, case, in low-level cases, millions and millions of dollars. Some are losing billions and billions of dollars because of the effective you know, counterbalance of this shorting activity. This is a similar thing that potentially is happening on the exchanges for things like Satama. But on the AMC side, because it has had so much exposure on the mainstream and in this group, now with AMC's stock potentially going up with the acceptance of SHIB, and it's more likely to go up on the AMC side than on the SHIB side because AMC is really the one that benefits from accepting SHIB from that pool of people that may not have even thought of it, that that's going to increase the the likelihood of people losing money on this shorting that tends to increase its value because now there's more value being pumped back into the stock. And so it's a good thing. I believe my, this is my opinion. I believe it's great for AMC. It, it's, it's a good thing for SHIB, but I don't think it's this overrated thing that people are presenting it to be. But any, obviously any positive press is good press. We just had to, with SHIB, maintain po- composure until the burn mechanic does its job to get the supply down. Because at this point, the main reason that the price is not moving significantly has nothing to do with notoriety. Everybody now knows what SHIB is. It's going to be the circulating supply being so darn high. That needs to change. And then once that changes, I think you'll start seeing more price increases, possibly in Q1 of 2022. So that's Shib, and then on the Doge update, just really quick, um, I don't know if you've read, but Doge is doing upgrades to its structure. If you didn't know, Doge has its own blockchain. So Doge, when you transact it, you're using Doge to do it, similar to XLM, Stellar, uh, similar to Solana, similar to Algorand and others, and Tron, where it has its own chain, all contained. It's its own coin. It's self-contained. It doesn't depend on Ethereum. It doesn't depend on Binance. That's what that means. So... They've been doing some upgrades, and their goal is to decrease gas fees because as more people started transacting with Doge, because Doge right now is the one coin out there other than Bitcoin that is much more readily accessible from a point-of-sale transaction perspective, even than Jib, than anything. Bitcoin's the only one that's kind of higher on the totem pole. But because it was being used so much, Doge, it meant that gas fees were starting to spike for people. And they wanted to try to do some upgrades and optimize certain parts of the traffic. Well, these upgrades that they're doing helped they're they're helping that, but they're also helping the price a little bit. So it started to creep up ever so slightly. We're not talking significant gains here. In some cases, some people might hold a bag so big that they made tens of thousands of dollars on it. But because of that spiking, it enticed, of course, the SHIB group to kind of rally together and try to beat them again. Now SHIB already has surpassed doge in terms of the market cap and the fully market fully diluted market cap doge's market cap and fully diluted market cap are already in concert which means that there's not significant price movement that can happen at this point because of its mechanic it mints 10,000 new coins every minute and for the most part all of the sur- all of the supply is out that's going to be ever made because that 10000 gets consumed almost instantly. So its price can't move significantly. You might see some creeping up here and there, and you also might see some spikes every now and then, but I don't see it's going to have any significant movement on the price in the short term at the very minimum. You might see something down the road because, again, for those that didn't know, Elon Musk is basically, I don't want to say he's in bed with because that's not fair, but he's in cahoots with the Doge team because he's an advocate of Doge as a project, not because it's a quote dog coin, but because he saw strong potential in its use cases early on. And so he kind of bought in and said, Hey, I, yeah, I hold some Doge. I support them. I like the people and so on. And then people got offended and triggered. So that's how Doge goes. And and I'm going to cover one other one that I've not covered in the past. I I briefly mentioned it um, because at the time, and even now, I'm thinking it's one of those cult phenomenons that it's not that it's not worth talking about. I just think that, that it has more work to do, and I'm not sure what that work is. Like, if somebody were to ask me how to fix this token, I don't know what that answer is, honestly. I might have some suggestions, soft suggestions, but I don't know if they would work. And that's safe moon. Safe Moon, of course, is a it, it's a solid token. It's not a scam in the definition of said. It's certainly not a rug pull in the definition of said. But early on in social media, I said that Safe Moon is one of those tokens that struggles to stay above water because it, anytime it spikes, it always goes right back down because people are constantly cashing out on it. Anytime it gets growth, people are cashing out, cashing out, cashing out. It seems like they can't get away from paper-handedness, and I'm not sure why that is. It has the most viral community that I've ever seen in all of crypto. They have their holder counts accurate but misleading. So, yes, they do have nearly 3 million holders. But the problem with that is that a holder is simply defined as any wallet that's holding at least one Satoshi's worth of a given something. So when you sell, let's say you held it and you sold because of overhead, because of slippage, because of all these different factors, you can never zero out many of these tokens. You're always left with just a little bit. That's being counted in the holder count, which I think gives a false impression of the true, let's say, hold hold dynamic for the token. If they were to recalculate that to say anybody that's holding at least, based on its current price point, anybody's holding at least 10,000 tokens then that would give you a more accurate holder count. And I would suspect that holder count somewhere in the neighborhood of about, you know, six to six hundred thousand to a million holders is probably more accurate. And that many more people actually did sell out. I could be way off with the number, but I don't think they have actively trading holders that that's that you have three million of. Um, they're mar- they have a ticker on their site. You can see the market caps decreasing. And that seems to indicate sell-off behavior. It seems to indicate something's going on under the hood. We don't know what that is. Because as I said before, for whatever reason, people just keep selling it off. And so it can never get high like it's supposed to because it has a solid bear mechanic. It has a reflections mechanics. It has good, decent, I'll say decently good communications to people. They support the liquidity. They have a wallet they released. Um, they had a really good release of that one. But to my point earlier... 700,000 downloads of the wallet well you would think if you had that many holders that more the more than 700,000 would download it that's where I my number from six to one million comes from is the number of people who actively are engaging with the project seems to contradict the number of holders based on the number of people who downloaded the wallet this is not to trash the project at all I think that it's a solid project I just it's kind of like pig finance it just doesn't for whatever reason has solid tokenomics and a decently good team, but for whatever reason cannot get past that next hurdle and get to that next level. And I'm not sure specifically why that is. I know they're talking about an upgrade that's coming where that's going to allow them to do the equivalent of reverse splits, which I think that that's annoying, frankly. I don't like when they do that, but I think they're possibly trying to consider doing that to appeal to more investors that are that are hesitant about the kind of the micro cap ones. I don't know. So, SafeMoon, the reason, again, that I didn't cover it in the past, it's not to say not to buy it, it's not to say not to consider it, it's not to say it's not serious, but simply there's something that's holding it back, and I can't define what that is. And until I can speak more intelligibly as to what potentially might help them, I don't, I don't truly know. You could toss $5 in it, but I don't know what would happen to your $5. Obviously, you wouldn't lose unless you sold but And it does have reflections, so you would that's something. But I don't know if it's worth investing that low amount because it wouldn't offset the reflections and the sell-offs. But at the same time, I'm not sure I can advocate investing more right now, at least until we look at the V2 and see what has changed with it. Unfortunately, their website does not give me a good um, sense about what this V2 is or what they're about to do, and I know what they'd say, you know go to telegram do, 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 and I'm not going to do that um, primarily you know because I think this is critical information, it should be on the web, it should be on social media i'm sure that people talked about it uh, briefly, but i don't know um, what that's going to look like in the big picture, so all I know is that Safe movie two is supposed to be rethinking the contract, getting a better sense for people to um increase the value of the token and appeal to more investors. At this point, that's all I know. But as I talked about in a previous update, I get frustrated seeing all these migrations and V2s and all this, because to me, it's a scapegoat for a failure. It's not that safe moon has failed to get the tokens word out. I think that's good. And I think it has a decent utility. It's not the greatest utility, but a decent utility. I think safe Moon's biggest problem, as with many tokens is it's not, It also is not really run like a business per se. It's still run like a token. And I know that's weird, but running it like a business means that you are actively doing things that are increasing its value and discouraging people selling. Some of that's not their fault because the contract may not allow them to do some of that. But I wouldn't want them also to inject mechanics that let them spike the selfies and all this other stuff, these gimmicks that people are doing now, because that's not solving the problem. It's It's a hat on a hat. So we'll see where Safe Moon goes. I promise I'll keep an eye on it. Um, it's again the small amount that I own still sits in my wallet. I just mostly have ignored it. And then Safe Moon also has had some turmoil. Apparently, they used to have SafeEarn, which was a different project that offered Safe Moon rewards. And then at some point they had a falling out. I don't know what the definition of fallout was in this case, but they had a falling out, and for whatever reason, the safe earn team was not able to give safe rewards anymore so they turn that off and then they're spinning up their own thing that lets you pick what your passives are called earn hub that one's going to be exciting i'm going to watch that one and see how that goes and that one might be the, the real shakeup that the the crypto industry needs potentially so now let's talk about another exchange this won't take too long because it's yet another one that that uh everybody is aware of already, but I've left most of the more, let's say mid range to higher level exchanges kind of for the latter ones because they're easier to cover. It doesn't take that much time to talk about them. So the next one I'm going to talk about is L bank. L bank as an exchange, it's supported in the United States, which is always good. Uh, L bank has a couple of strong, strong negatives um, that may be a, Deal breaker for you, but I, I want you to be aware of how it works. Elbank's interface is more on the visually; it's more on the stock side than on the crypto side. Like if you looked at it, it looks like a stock market interface, not a crypto interface. However, once you dig into it, there's now more. There's more to the crypto's you know vernacular. Um, they also support NFTs with it. There are times and they'll offer bonuses with trades. Um, you may not realize but Lbank is one of the exchanges that supports satama in addition to gate.io, Mexi, poloniex um, Lbank is one of the places you can do satama. Lbank is one of the places you can do shib. Lbank they support a lot of different um, cryptocurrencies that you would the, the lower, you know, the lower cap ones. They support a lot of those and it has a good organization structure to find the ones that you're looking for. So these Some of these newer ones may show up there. They may be dropped out depending on what's going on. Like, for example, there were projects that were listed on L-Bank and then they were removed because they're doing this this nonsense upgrade V2 stuff that's been going around. But generally speaking, most of the newer ones do end up on L-Bank at some point. So that's good. And then, of course, they support many of the common ones. The one downside I would point out for... L-Bank and it seems like it's an L-Bank specific thing is L-Bank organizes coins by way of the pair. But it also, it's strange. So when you want to buy a coin or a token, you have to choose what currency you're going to use to buy it from the exchange. And this becomes the pair and that pair is tied to liquidity in every token's case literally every token generally is paired with USD Tether. That's because USD Tether is ubiquitous. It's, it's, it's the most common stable coin, not USDC, USD Tether is. And so if you were to look at all the different tokens that's out there, you would expect that I should be able to go into USD and then see all the different coins, but that's not true. The way their interface works is it tells you what is it that the coin, when you buy it, Does it support X as opposed to what is the pair for X? I know that's weird. When I go and I want to buy SHIB, currently there are pairs for SHIB for a vast array of different currencies. You can trade Ethereum for SHIB, Bitcoin for SHIB, USD Tether for SHIB, or straight cash for SHIB. So if I want to buy SHIB, I would expect to go into, in this case, usd because hey i want to give you cash i click on usd and then i do a search for shib it doesn't show up however the pop-up list says hey shib usd tether and it's confusing because you're like well wait a minute you just told me it's not there but yet your drop down says it is there that's because they categorized shib as a as an altcoin that's it's it's an interface weirdness that i don't understand the reasoning why they did that because it'll tend to ter- tell people that it's not there when it is because they support a lot of coins but when you look at it and you're trying to use the fiat that you're used to in most cases for listeners that's usd you go into usd and it's not going to show you the coin that you wanted however on the flip side of this if you went into alts alts is not going to show you Coins that don't support straight USD, meaning you have to convert to USD Tether first. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. If I go into USD, Hokkaido. Hokkaido Inu. Hokkaido Inu is listed under USD. Hokkaido Inu is one of the definitions of an altcoin. However, it's listed over here. There's no reason for it to be listed over here. Polybunny, I would argue, it is an altcoin. However, it's listed under USD uh, USD's category um, Snow Rabbit, I believe that's one I There's no logic as to why they Grouped it that way But yet they have grouped it that way I think, I think It's just a matter of Does it take straight cash, meaning can you swipe a card To buy it or not But I think they should just rethink their categories Because saying alts versus USD Doesn't make any sense If you're going to call them alts, that's fine But then coins that are truly alts that are currently under USD should be under the alts category, period, point, blank, and then I would just get rid of the USD category entirely. Because at the end of the day, a coin can only ever be, I think it's network-driven, right? Ethereum is a network, so that makes sense. Bitcoin is a network, that makes sense. Then alts is kind of its own network, quote-unquote, it's not really, but kind of off to the side. ETFs, which makes sense. But I just, I think this USD category is confusing, it doesn't make any sense, as currently built and I would completely get rid of that. So navigating the interface to find what you want so that you can trade it, I think is a little bit of a pain. It's not a major deal, but it's a little bit of an annoyance because of the way they've structured it. Once you get past that and you're in the actual trading window, you're ready to hit the ground running. It has those same categories, same confusion. However, it's a little bit easier to work with it. You've got your graphs, you've got your order books. Um, It doesn't give you as much data with respect to um if you if you understand what i'm saying longs and shorts but it doesn't give you as much of that like gate io does but it gives you enough that you can do the trading and get stuff done the other nice thing that gate io doesn't offer that l bank does is that you can buy at straight market rate when you buy at market rate you're saying whatever the current price is when i do this when i hit this button go ahead and just do it because you're you're trying to buy in quickly you're trying to sell out quickly I like having the market capability. I know that it's not ideal because with market, your price doesn't change, but I prefer to have it available for those times when I need to buy in or sell out quick. And so that's appealing to me. Now, I'll call out the one main negative, and this is not specific to me as far as negative, but many people have called it out as kind of an issue. L-Bank charges a lot in order to withdraw They have limits on withdrawals. The limits aren't crazy. Right now it's at, uh, let's see, what's that, 30 grand-ish? So that's not too bad. Um, It's not uh, Coinbases, but it's not bad. Um, It's an easy interface to withdraw, but it's just they charge you an arm and a leg to do the withdrawal. I don't necessarily care for that. I understand why they do it, but I don't like it. And so kind of the downside is you put Saitama in there, and then if you ever wanted to, Withdraw, they're going to nail you, you know, kind of arm and a leg. You can get around it by converting your token of whatever it is into USD Tether and then do it that way. Or as I talked about on the previous podcast about saving on gas, you can convert to something else like XLM Stellar. It's dirt cheap to send. You can send to Tron, although that takes a little bit of work. Send it to some other coin that's cheaper to trans- transmit. And then on the other side, you can convert it back out to. Satama to hold it. So basically, you're doing a buy at that point. So it's not that it's a it's not a deal breaker, stopper I just think it's one of those that's slightly concerning. The one thing that stands out now on the flip side for L Bank, um, they have an actual customer service email address blatantly on the website. You're not going to find this on many services. I'm not even talking about crypto. I'm talking in general. It's a rare thing. It's like, look, we want the smoke. You got a problem? Contact us. I like that. They still have the chats and everything else for the millennial and so on. I just think that having an email address, because you're doing 50 million things, you could just fire off an email saying, here's the problem. Get back to me when it's fixed, right? And then come back and it's fixed and then we're good, good to go. I want to see that. I like that. I think it's the way that all of them should do um, and many don't. And then lastly, I'll talk about LBANG is the way that their security works. Security, they don't, they don't force you to do things. They have steps to go through for their security. And when you go through the security steps, then it, of course, opens up other things. But you can still work in the tool, which is the basic password email combination. What it does is when you create the account and it supports Outlook email addresses, I'm pretty sure that's true. Let me just double check. I'm pretty sure I've received emails from them. I haven't used it on a frequent basis. So, but I'm pretty sure, yeah. So it supports Outlook email. That's a positive in its head. Like I said on the previous, that's a coding thing. You just have to code it to support the security that Outlook wants. And showing that you're doing that lends credibility to you. You can, they give you, there's a withdrawal even without doing two factor, which is awesome. So you can withdraw. It's just a limited amount, which is basically half a Bitcoin. And of course, like you know, right now, that's about twenty-five thousand to thirty grand. So that's not bad without the two-factor. Two-factor is still recommended. I'm not saying don't do it, but I'm saying that they're not tying your hands right up front, forcing you to do five layers of security before you can withdraw. They're at least letting you do the withdrawal, because maybe you only need it for one trade. And so do you go through all this hoops just to do one trade or just say hey i just want to be able to do x y and then do that doing kyc then increases your withdrawal limit that's the way it's supposed to be that's the way i want to see it you can then increase your security further within the asset password that i talked about where you would just basically create a pin code you can add a payment method or not so if you wanted to let's say cash out is just usd tether and send it to your other wallet and then that's where all your payment stuff is you can do that you can whitelist your IP. If you whitelist your IP, what you're doing, and it's, it's risky, but if you have control over your internet and your IP and your internet, and the only way, when I say control, I'm saying that you are the one who dictates the IP address that you have. If you have Cox or Comcast or something, by default, you don't have that. If you're a business, you do. And so... You can pay for that control to have a static IP as it's called. Then you can whitelist it in LBank. And what that does, it says nobody can log into this if you're not coming from this IP address. So far, they're the only ones that allow you to do that as an option. There are certain tools that let you do it when you log in. And I think KuCoin is one of them, but I'm talking at the back end when you define it so that you can't get in at all. You don't even get the choice to do it. And then there's a tool where you can set up a code and the code when it sends when you log in it sends you an email and the email has a code and you have to give that code back to the tool so that you know that somebody wasn't sending you a phishing email that meaning that they're trying to trick you if they don't have that code in the email then the email is going to be invalid and they wouldn't be able to do the code because they're not inside the tool and then login events so lbank Arguably, is catering towards businesses, but it's one of the strongest in terms of security, flexibility. I love the flexibility of it. The only complaint I had, again, was the cash out, charge for cash out. I don't like it too much, but apparently there are ways around it with just getting creative with the different coins. So Stellar XLM would probably be my choice or Cardano ADA. So at least there's a choice to deal with that. They're not forcing KYC just to be able to interact with it. I like that. They're not forcing two-factor just to be able to withdraw with it. I like that. They're guiding you through steps they recommend to increase the security of your account, but they're not stopping you from doing it if you just need to do a quick and dirty transaction. That's all appealing to me personally to the point that I'm going to dig into them a little bit more, and potentially they may have just you know pulled an upset on my current favorite, which is Gate.io, In how they work I need to in order to really know that I'm gonna have to send some currency into it do some trades see how that works if everything worked good then try to withdraw it out and then send it out as XLM and if I'm able to do all that at my current level which I don't have I have security but I don't have the max on it if I'm able to do those basic transactions that I do because I would consider myself a low-level trader if I can do all that and I'm not subject to extreme levels of security nonsense LBank will have defeated Gate.io by far and away as my top because they have all the coins that I want um, that are supported, and it seems like a very nice interface, just that one quirk with the groupings and categories of the coins. So that's today's update. Um, again, Satama has finally calmed down. Of course, that will change because, as I said, that's reputation management's The thing. It's not going to get better before it gets worse, but let's wait it out. Meanwhile, the coin is on recovery, as I said it was going to be. I'm sure there's going to be some more sales, so just watch it if you're in Satama. On the SHIB side, SHIB is still, you know, being now paired with AMC, I think will help it somewhat, and that's always good. Any sort of mainstream exposure is good for crypto in general. Um, Without the circulating supply kind of consolidating a little bit more and more burns taking place, I don't see it having a significant impact on the price in the short term so both of those are certainly ones to look at in q1 of 2022 to see where they end up going you've got doge out there that's doing upgrades underneath its hood to optimize and decrease gas fees which will help those that are transacting with it and it's currently the number one for transaction acceptance out there however i don't see it increasing its price to a significant degree predominantly because of The supply, it's already out. Everybody's already got it. You're not really getting any new traders at this point, except people that are already bought coins that are already there. So the price movement can't significantly go too far. The market cap and fully diluted are already in pair. And there's not enough being minted to keep up with the demand, which is a symptom of the amount of inflation that's just had more money flow into the system than coins to buy, if that makes any sense. And then, of course, for... Um, The safe moon, I'm going to observe it. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to keep an eye and see where it goes. But as of right now, similar to pig finance, I just don't see, despite having solid tokenomics, why it's not able to get past that threshold. People keep selling it. That depresses its value. They don't seem to have any anti-whale. That may be a good thing. Who knows? They're trying to do V2. We don't know what that looks like. And, of course, I'm anti-upgrades in the first place, but I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt and see where that goes. And then the exchange Bank. i'm gonna say right now Bank is number one on the list um unexpectedly it's that it came from nowhere and i never gave it a fair chance because i don't like the cash out charge but now that we know there's ways to get around it that was the only thing that i hesitated recommending gateio still recommended i think it's a solid exchange i've never had a problem with it outside of the 100x coin which i'll talk about on some other episode but other than that, I think L is top of the list in the exchanges that I have covered. And I'm not talking about your Coinbase's, whatever, six of the world level exchanges. I'm talking at the upper level where you're able to trade more coins, have more power to trade coins, um, have more control over the coins that you do trade. I think Bank currently of what I've seen is top of the list, highly recommended. If you are going to have one or two you know, exchanges that you can go to, in order to save on gas fees by swapping, as I talked about in my Wallets versus Exchanges series, you want to definitely consider L-Bank as in that list. I would consider IO in that list, um, potentially Hotbit as well, and then KuCoin. Those four I would definitely consider having. And then, of course, your CoinBases to be able to manipulate the system to where you're not having to pay gas fees by using the exchange to swap out for the coins that you can transmit on the cheap Go back and listen to those. If you didn't hear that before, if you're a newer listener, listen to those. If you are a newer listener, I appreciate you, and I appreciate you listening to this particular episode, and hopefully the information here plus the other ones has been of value and benefit to you as you follow your crypto journey.